Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Welcome to Midsummer Maniacs. I'm Sarah. I'm Mark. Hey, Maniacs. How are you doing? Episode 10, double digits. Yes, and we've gotten past the horrible Blood Will Out episode. Oh, my God. If you are still listening after that episode, we really appreciate it. Um, Just remember off the top that if you let your kids watch the show, they can listen to the podcast. But if the show is too much for your kids, the podcast probably is too. Well, this episode, which is season three, episode one. Yes. Death of a Stranger has a lot of boobies in it. There are boobies. Well, two specific boobies over and over again. (laughs) There's just boobs. Just those two. Yep. In a Polaroid. Yep. Yeah. This episode was filmed in October 99. The Wikipedia entry says it was broadcast the 31st of December, 1999, New Year's Eve, before the millennium. Okay. It's the worst night of television ever. That would be a weird night to air. You'd think it would just, that night would be like full of TV specials, right? You would think, but, which is probably why I only got 5.87 million views. Which is what, like half of what yeah. the previous episode got? Yeah. I, I'm not trusting the Wikipedia these days because it says it's directed by Maura Armstrong and Douglas Watkinson. And then I noticed that wasn't the case on the episode. And then okay. IMDb, it's Peter Cregan who di- directed it and Douglas Livingston who wrote it. I think we have to trust the credits. I think so too. Maybe you should edit the Wikipedia page and correct it. Uh, that would be a full-time job that I'm not really <laughs> signing up for. You've already got enough jobs. I have enough jobs already. I have to say, I really like this episode. This is return to form that we needed after the last episode. There's lots of bodies. There's bodies right away. There's weird people. There's boobies. I'll tell you what there is. And I'm going to blow this right away. But there is blackmail, Mm -hmm. murder, Mm -hmm. and sexual deviancy. Mm -hmm. It is everything that... Oh, and don't forget Handbag Henry and his taxidermy, too. Yes, like it's everything that Barnaby says at the... The pub that one day. Yeah, that the country country is full of. Yes, and no travelers. Not that we're anti-travelers. We're anti-traveler episodes. Yeah, I misspoke in the last episode because in my head, Linda's place in the woods was a caravan, was no. a wagon, and it's actually a train car. Yes. Which is much classier. It, it's actually a pretty nice place. I kind of wonder how it got there. Well, you know, Thomas dropped it off. <laughs> Yeah. Troy shows his age when he goes, oh, it's just like Thomas the Tank Engine. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're a little kid. Cold opening. And I know you disagree with me, but this cold opening to me, first of all, twas a dark and stormy night. Yeah. Is very Twin Peaksy. I don't see it's it. It's got a train car. It's got a muttering old man. It has a, the cord goes from a major to a minor in oh, the same way music that nerd. Angelo <laughs> Badalamenti does his chords in Twin Peaks. I say it's Twin Peaksy. I will leave that to your judgment because you're a Twin Peaks person and I'm not. Well, luckily she has a giant pair of shears. Man, those are big scissors. Like, what does she use those for? Like, those are upholsterers 
shears. They're a good 10 inches long. Yes. The blades are a good 10 inches long and about two inches wide, if not wider. They are certainly pokey pokey. They are serious. And I like Linda, okay? She's this kooky character. She's got that awesome gap in her teeth. She makes me think of the wife of Bath, who also had a yep. gap in her teeth, right? Yep. Um, from the Canterbury Tales, because, yeah, I'm that kind of nerd. Nerd. But I feel like, even though this is a better written episode, for some reason, it's like they were limited to how many lines they could give her, but not how many times she could say them. Yes. <laughs> right? So she just says, go away, go, go away, away, go away, go away, over and over again. Like, say something different. Because yeah. the tramp wants in. Yeah. But she doesn't know the tramp's secret. No. But we'll learn the tramp's But secret. she doesn't say, like, get out of here, leave me alone. She nope. just says, go away, go away. No. And that's not the, the only time that she repeats the same line over and over and over and over and over and over again. The hunt is what we're presented with after the credits. Mm-hmm. Well, as the credits roll. And we meet James Fitzroy, co-master of the hunt. Yes, with his, his co-master, whose name is Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Not Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. <laughs> She's just a jerk, jerk, jerk. <laughs> and she uh, talks to her daughter-in-law, Kate, and her son, Graham. And really, everybody's kind of pissy with each other about everything because the baby's not there. Harry. Like, what? why would you bring a baby to a hunt? All the dogs would wake him up. Now, granted, he's a toddler. Yeah. He's like three. But still. But he's got no business being there. He'd just get trampled. The hunt is a is a clearly British thing that seems so strange. It seems so foreign. Well, and in this episode, especially because... So I, I always kind of thought as, of hunts as like special occasion things. Yeah, that, these people hunt like every two days. Yeah. Troy says, don't they have jobs? Like, Apparently not. Like, I wondered not. the same thing. Don't they have jobs? Well, no, they're rich British people. They don't have jobs. Well, but just think of the logistics, right? So these people don't all live at James Fitzroy's house. No. So they've got a horse that they've got to bring to, his, keep to his place every few days. I guess. They're driving around the countryside with their horses. And though we know the hounds live at his house... We see them mm. unloading them from like a trailer. So they load all the dogs up and drive them across the countryside and then decide where they're going to start and dump them off. I don't know. The logistics of it just it's, blows my mind. It's another weird example, too, of our dog watched the episode with us. She's not a guest on the podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. But the, all that dog barking, she didn't react at all. No. She's like, whatever, dogs. But God forbid... Um, Mini a baby hippo or a baby rhinoceros makes a noise, she freaks out. That's because she's a 75-pound English bulldog. She looks more like a hippo than she does one of those hounds. She does indeed. <laughs> and maybe we should put her picture in the show notes. Fanny. She's our baby. So we've oh, got the Fitzroys which and, are, and Sarah Fitzroy. James' yes. wife is there as well. And we've got the Tranters. These are the two kind of major families. Yep. In the beginning of the show. And then we're introduced to Ron Pringle. Yes. Who is a former superintendent, well, soon to be former superintendent, who's moved into this village, which is Upper Marshwood. Yes. Uh, with his wife, Betty. And they're going to spend their retirement in Upper Marshwood. You know, I really like Betty. I do, too. She She's, may be I my favorite character in the episode. She, she definitely deserves a hug. The Tramp is also here. Yeah. The tramp from the the cold open and he's buying some strongbow. 
Yeah. In one liter bottles. Two liter bottles. It's cider. Man, right? four liters of cider, you're going to be toasty. <laughs> He's thirsty. And the woman who runs the store is like totally mean to him. She is. The, this. Sandra. The, Sandra, she does a lot in the two appearances she's in. Yeah. Of course, you know, the tramp doesn't do himself any credit there. He's basically jabbering all the time. <laughs> Roy, or sorry, Ron. I always want to call him Roy. Ron is wearing five, more than four, five different plaids in his outfit. Oh my gosh. His hat, his shirt, his tie, his jacket, his pants. They're all different. All different tweeds. That's... Like, can you make... More of an effort to fit into the countryside. That's like so broken. It's really broken. And they're not even all the same color scheme or anything. He's just a tryhard. Oh, he, and poor that, Betty is there in her apron going, um, uh, whoa, uh, he's, well. <laughs> he's totally like pretty fly for a hunt guy. No, he's not fly for a hunt guy. He's lame. Well, that's the whole joke, right? Yeah. So. He's so desperate to fit in with these folks who really have no redeeming qualities. No. And, None at all. And even less as we get to know them. But it's pretty clear he's desperate. So Billy Gertie and Dave, Mystery Dave, are hanging out and they're hassling people at the hunt. And he goes and he has a word with them. Now, at no point the first time I watched this on the rewatch did I catch that his name was Dave. Yeah. So there's a, a point later on in the episode where they say Dave blank. And I'm like, Who? who's that? <laughs> I had to look it up. Yeah. So Billy Gertie Billy is one guy, and the other guy with the longer, greasy hair is Dave. Dave. Who turns out to actually be kind of a nice guy. And they're kind of bothering Sarah, but kind of, eh. it's still, it's not nice, but it's not, like, abusive. They're not being vicious. No. Right? They're no. just being gadabouts, layabouts, whatever. Yeah. Unemployed utes. Utes. Ron gets all up in his face. Yeah. It's it's total bullying behavior. I may not be a cop soon, but I still have friends. And blah, 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 blah. Like, is this how you're going to ingratiate yourself into the village? Like, you'd think anybody, you know, a cop would know. You don't start by hassling the punks of the village because they're going to hassle you no, back. No, you're going to make friends with those people. Yeah. I really don't like Ron Pringle. Well, you're not supposed to. And then what happens, happens. I'm like, oh. <laughs> It's kind of good for Betty, actually. You know, yes. though, the first time I saw this episode, I was really torn because I'd already seen a little bit of New Tricks, too. Yes. And in New Tricks, the the same actor, let me get his name right, James Bullum. Yes. In New Tricks, James Bullum is this, he's still kind of blustery, but he's a really... But he's likable. He's really likable, and his wife is dead, and he has a little memorial stone in his backyard, and... He sits on a little bench in the moonlight and he talks to her because he misses her. And so I kind of transferred a little bit about my feeling about that character onto this one. Yes. And then he punched me in the face with his idiocy. Yes. He betrayed exactly. He betrayed me. <laughs> betrayed by your own idiocy. Yes. <laughs> And the tramp is in the woods, so they get the like. The, but then there's this like slow motion hunt through the town. Yeah, and it was like, like the slow mo doesn't make it look majestic or terrifying. It just makes it look long and slow. 
Yes. Meanwhile, though, the tramp is terrified. He's extremely upset. He drops his cider. He drops his cider, an open bottle of cider. Yeah. And he falls into a, a ditch. Which just happens to have a bear trap in it? Yeah, so about that. Like, aren't they illegal? Well, I'm sure they're kind of illegal. I think that's a reference to the poacher that Billy Gertie is. Mm. I think that they put them in, like, I've never used a trap like that or never been caught by a trap like that. But I would think that you would kind of put it on the ground under some leaves rather than in a hole. Yeah. I would think. Unless you think the poachers are going to use those kind of ditches as kind of a cover when they're poaching. I guess, but then they wouldn't set their traps where they're looking for cover. It's just more evident. No, I I don't think that's supposed to be Billy's trap. I think it's Graham Tranter's trap, and he's trying to catch Billy. Oh, really? To teach him a lesson for poaching. Remember, he's already been arrested once for poaching. Oh, I hadn't thought of I that. I think it's I don't just know. more evidence that the Tranters are jerks. Well, and that Graham is loony too. Loony, loony. Though maybe it's not all his fault that he's so loony. But yes. So the tramp falls in and his leg gets stuck in one of those traps. Which, which hurts so well, he, much. He does some screaming here. Yeah. But. Then we get killer cam. Killer cam. Branch cam. Branch cam. And <laughs> glove cam. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and what happens is he gets beat to death in the hole. Which, which is the worst, like... It's a nasty way to kill somebody. To and just bludgeon them to death. somebody would know that they were killed. Like, wouldn't you want to make it look like an accident or something? Like, obviously he was murdered. Like, there's no question of it. They could have just let him bleed to death. Could have. Which I think probably would have got the hound's attention if they smelled it. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, you know, I, I'm not surprised. So, you know, we're not ruining anything. Graham is the one who killed him, right? And I would think... That even though the hunt party gets sort of separated because Billy's in the woods playing the horn and kind of misleading <laughs> half of the... <laughs> no, that's too tonal. That, <laughs> that's, that's not squawky enough. One of our children came in and said, what is that horrible noise? Yeah. Um, but you'd think that people would have noticed that Graham was not with the party and his horse is standing there alone and he's in a ditch beating an old man to death. Oh, and he'd be covered with blood. But, you know, I'm the guy who says everybody should be covered with blood. Well, it, and his coat's not red, right? So, it's black. So. so maybe it wouldn't show. Maybe. I don't know. But his breeches would be bloody. Breach, bloody breeches. But that's okay because the branch is bloody. So bloody. It. I can take fingerprints. Yeah, that, that's a bit of a stretch. Because, you know, wood bark and fingerprints, they go together. Yeah, and you can just lift it right off that. Yeah. Really, it was scrawled on it, Billy Grody killed me. And then Linda finds him and she's like, <laughs> Because that's the great irony of the whole episode is that this is actually the lost love of Linda's life, yeah. but she doesn't know. That's her true love in a ditch dead, and she just seems like, uh, annoyed, like, Great. So the Barnabys are in France on vacation. Ooh la la. And <laughs> while, in, by the way, didn't Cully move to London? <laughs> Nico, Nico who? Yeah, maybe they're they're not uh, working out or something. I don't know. Because she goes on like a two-day vacation with them before she has to go back for her rehearsals. And this the time has passed here. Yes. Because Fitzroy shows up with Sarah and he's like, Oh, we had a right Barney in upper wherever. Marshwood. But Ron Pringle figured it all out. Well, and so we hear that Ron Pringle solved the murder within a week 
and that Ron is filling in for Tom while he's on vacation. So it's at least a week. So they've been in France for at least a week. So let's say the tramp's found the next day, mm. and Ron Pringle solves it within a week. So that's a week and a day mm-hmm. while the Barnabys are still in France. Mm-hmm. And even if this is the Barnabys' last day in France. Well, it's Collie's last day, but it, it doesn't sound like it's their last it's day. It's not their last day. So let's add two more days. So that's a week and three days. Later on in the episode, after three or four more days, so we're into a fortnight here, the tramp's body is still in the morgue. Well, they don't know who he is. They're going to keep him around. That's true. They haven't identified the bodies. they got to keep him on ice. Toby's got to, you know, cuddle up with him for a little bit. How was the tramp's dead body acting? It wasn't bad. We'll talk about, we'll we'll compare corpses at the end of the episode. Okay. He's there to hunt boar. Fitzroy's there to hunt boar and be a boar. he is a boar. Oh, my God. The way he treats his wife, I just want to hit him so much. And it's not just because her name is Sarah. And every time he talks to her, it's like he's talking to me. And I just want to hit him. But how does anybody put up with somebody like that? He says, on you go, Sarah. Go on, girl. Like, he talks to her like a horse. Yeah. Now, I think he likes his horses better. Oh, clearly he likes his horses. So they've been, so the Barnabys have been in France for a week eating French food, the best food in the world, supposedly. And yet Tom comes back having not eaten any of Joyce's cooking for over a week. And he's got a jippy tummy. He's got good food-itis. <laughs> Is that it? Because <laughs> I, 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 for one, don't want uh, Joyce's beef bourguignon. Bourguignon. So, uh, yeah, so you think that um, his system has rejected the good food? Oh, it's, it's just too good. <laughs> the menu gastronomy. If you notice in the canteen, he's eating a piece of dry toast. Yeah, because he's jippy. Yep. Her Majesty's Prison Crown Hill. This Kath is one of Gertie those arrives. scenes where they are renaming an institution, so they yep. just put a big old sign on it. Big old painted sign. Yeah, right <laughs> just there. smack it right up there. Yeah, Kath Gertie, who is Billy's mom, goes to see him in prison. She brings him the wrong smokes. Menthols. Yeah, he doesn't want menthols. And then we see Tom and Troy in the cafeteria, and Ron's there to fill them all in. Yes. Right? I'm having a party tonight for my, re- for my retirement. You better come and get boozed right up. <laughs> at the, in this point... I was trying to decide, and I even watched the scene again because I wanted to see whether Tom looked sick before he saw Ron or only after he saw Ron. Oh. Because it could be that Ron, that Tom is suddenly sick. Oh, I Because he see doesn't want to go to the party. I he wants an that. excuse to get out of the party. He's got Ron Pringleitis. And I think you could go both ways. Yes, yeah. he has a very light breakfast on his tray, so maybe he's already feeling jippy. Or maybe that's just what he was in the mood for, and now he's suddenly much sicker than he was. He does look pretty bedraggled. His eyes are a little bit red. And and I got to tell you, Ron Pringle, he's a cop. He's a bully. He does the things that he does. But it drives me up the wall that Troy says he was away on vacation too, and Pringle asks him where he went, and he goes mountaineering in Norway, which I was impressed with Troy. Yeah. And then Pringle's like, Oh, whatever. You asked. At least have the decency to go, that sounds really cool. Even if it doesn't sound cool. Or, wow, that's a much more active holiday than I would want or something. Because I would have thought Troy would have just sat watching X-Files and scratching his butt for a vacation. But no, Troy, (laughs) Troy had an active vacation. Yeah. And so Ron says, oh, yeah, we got Billy Gertie for it. Uh, We found the branch, the murder weapon. 
confirmed. We, we found fingerprints on, on it. They're Billy Gerties. He's really, got that should be the subtitle of the episode. Fingerprints on a tree branch. Yep. Like, you know, you can pick up fingerprints off of just about anything. Like cotton wool, a pile of sand, fingerprints everywhere. Really? Yeah. yeah. Air. Air. You can get fingerprints Don't touch out of it. air. <laughs> and then we see poor Ben and Kath, Gertie, in their kitchen. And they so sad. They light this scene. It's just dark, dark blue everywhere, but like this spotlight that's right over the table. And there's two sad people eating sad food, being sad. And it's just sad. It is sad. But they live in Sadville, of Sad Town, on the Fitzroy estate. Yeah. Which would suck. Meanwhile, at Kate and Graham's house, Marsha's over to help with the baby, which Kate hates. And she met a friend in town, Tilly. Mm-hmm. Wants to know if she can have it like a girl's night out to see a science fiction movie, Silver <laughs> Planet. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Unless you have a problem with it, in I. which case I won't go. Boyfriend bonking. Yeah. I, I have never in my life run into an old friend who I haven't seen for a while and made arrangements to go out that evening. Unless they're like in town for one day and I see them and they're go- they're leaving, maybe... Otherwise, it's, we got to get together soon. Let's make some plans. Not, well, we got to get together in a few hours. Mostly, I live in another country where I grew up from. So if somebody from when I was a kid showed up, I'd be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> How did you get in the country? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that night, Ben Gertie goes out, loads his gun, and there's a shot. Yeah. We're already into death number two, and we're only 20 minutes in. Kazaa. Kazaa. And the dogs find his body. Yep. Okay, how do you think he is supposed to have died? When you see his body, he's sort of tummy down, with his head turned, shotgun's next to him, and it's pretty clear, I think, that he's been shot from the front and the wound has kind of exploded from his back. Is that what you thought, too? Yeah, kind of. So how could that be a suicide? Yeah, it's a... (laughs) Who shoots themselves in the belly to commit suicide well toby would know because toby's back yeah with better hair with better hair and i would say a better agent an agent said you need to be in the back of every shot yeah because toby (laughs) in this scene especially is just back there waving hi he's looking perky unlike henry carstairs who's just looking creepy henry carstairs shows up out of nowhere and i stopped and i made a note who the hell is that guy? Because <laughs> he's suddenly just standing there mm, with his handbag. Yeah. His man bag. Well. It's a body bag, luck- really. Luckily, Pringle has it all figured out. But we meet Heinrich Carstairs. There's no suicides in the animal kingdom. Oh, I love this character already. I love that he wears a tie to go out to look for dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they ask him what he's doing. I'm looking for dead bodies. for corpses. So <laughs> Fantastically <laughs> creepy. And if you watch, he never blinks. The only time I caught him blinking was as his face turned away from the camera. He sort of blinks. But when he's eye, eye on to Tom, it's, he does not blink. It's all Which I can only think was purposeful. Henry wide-eyed all the time. Super creep. He finds a dead monk the night before, which is unusual. But then he goes into this little soliloquy about that Ben Gertie has met his death in front of the palace of his enemy and the origin of his black despair. It's quite the line. That is, that is 
That is some serious goth line right there. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to go and listen to The Cure. I tried to find it. There's no line like it. It's not it. a quote. It's not a quote. It's kind of like it. there's a part in Richard III that's kind of like it, but the words are all mixed up. But it's clearly meant to sound Greek tragedy or Shakespearean. Yeah. And, and he's set in the scene. Right? But you know... He's a ladies' man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's allowed to look for corpses here because his cousin has given him permission. Yes, that's and, Graham. And once you've seen the episode the first time, you're just like, dude, all of this belongs to you. It's all yours. Yes. that's the, that's, the, And we'll get to this at the end. But he is actually the proper owner of the land. Yeah. And that's why he's wearing the tie. And the Because pal- he's actually Lord of the yeah, Manor. The palace he's talking about <laughs> is the old guy's hutch. Yeah. The tramp's hutch. Now, I had a question. They went and built this hutch because they didn't... They Some didn't, scene setter had to figure out how to build a tramp hutch. And they never go inside it. No. No. I don't even know if there's another side it's to it. It's a one-sided hutch. It, it may be, <laughs> yeah. It may be a... A, one, a one-sided tramp hutch. It's a hutch facade. A hutch facade. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got that tree stump for storage. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Then Pringle drops Storage is always an issue in your tramp hut. Pringle drops another clangor that he's going to see a man about a horse. (laughs) No, really, I am. I've joined the hunt. We don't care. Yeah. I'm very special now. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Get out of here. You should probably talk to his wife. (gasps) Wow, Ron. What an awesome insight. We never (laughs) would have thought of that. He's more Mr. Obvious than Troy is. And he's so self-important. So self-important. We're back to town, and Dave whistles at Linda. It's funny how they it's, whistle. I, and I think it, it tickles her a little yeah. bit. And have you heard about Ben? And he was busy get, the night before. Get He got tied up. Ooh. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now. And Pringle's in there just causing problems. It's just That's what he does. It's just whatever. And we're back to Linda's carriage. This is where Troy makes the Thomas the Tank Engine reference. And drinks the the cordial. Yes. and there's must be really bad. I haven't got a TV! Yeah. I haven't got a TV! Another repeated line. Yeah. <laughs> For our American viewers who don't realize what's going on, British people have to pay a licensing fee for their televisions. Right. And this is all done, as far as I can tell, basically on the honor system. Yeah. And so she thinks that they're there to get her for not having a TV license. Yeah. But instead, she invites them in and gives them... Elderberry cordial. 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 Yeah. She's, she's one for, like, switching moods on a dime. Yep. One second, she's screaming at them, go away, go away, and slamming a door in their face. And the next minute, cordial. Yes. And she's all smiles. But she's not an old maid. No. Nope. So she makes money doing needlework. With her giant scissors. I would be afraid of those scissors. Mm -hmm. I kind of want those scissors, actually. But I just kept wondering, like, what kind of needlework can you still make money at? 50 pounds of it, apparently. I know. That's what James pays her later, but, like, what is she doing? I don't know. It's all in a little bag. Maybe she's making antimacassars. I guess. I thought, maybe, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> so Barnaby asks Linda about Billy Gertie, and she says he's a lovely boy. Yeah. Brings he, her a pheasant every once in a while. He wouldn't kill anybody. He only kills, he only kills for food, 
unlike those hunt people. She likes Billy Gertie, but I'll tell you somebody she doesn't like. Henry. Henry Carstairs. She's she's got to go away, go, go away. away again. Yep. Poor Henry's out there with his man bag. <laughs> Dead man bag. <laughs> really, it's a death bag, which is another Twin Peaks reference. Could just be a corpse bag. I, I guess. For we corpses. We we mean corpses. That he keeps in his freezer. Yes. yes. <laughs> Marcia wants Fitzroy to go to London to do something, but we don't know what. You have to go to London. You have to go. To, I just went. You have to go again. Barnaby and Troy show up and they're still arguing. And then they joke about handbag Henry. And they think they're so clever. <laughs> we made a joke about a guy who carries a bag. <laughs> well, let us go into some exposition for information later on in the episode. You put James and Marcia in the same scene and the level of ponciness it just, it, it just, it's overwhelming. I just want to punch them both. Yeah. Because they kind of feed off of each other. And then you find out later that they've like slept together and all this stuff. Ugh. And then it just kind of gets gross. It's gross. Yuck. And then she goes, the excitement of the chase and no satisfaction of the kill. Yeah, because the dogs are, are worked up. You're a creepy lady. So does that mean that when they have a hunt, do they release a fox to chase? I got to think it's different in different places. Or do they just assume that eventually they'll come across one? I don't know. I, w- I would think that there's probably both. There's probably ones where they actually go out and try to find a random animal to kill. <laughs> and then there's other ones in which a stock animal is released and they chase Which it. I think is much, much worse. Well, in, in both circumstances, foxes die. I think they get shredded to pieces by the dogs who are in a frenzy. Yeah. So the fact that they can have any kind of stuffed foxes is kind of amazing. Because I would think there would be nothing to stuff. Is Midsummer the show where the kid gets blooded? I think so. Later. Some later After the hunt, they smear blood blood on on their cheeks. On a child's face. Yeah, the first time they go on the hunt. And that's gross. And I just kept thinking every time they... um, Talk to Henry and like Henry's taxidermy stuff. I just kept thinking about that crappy taxidermy.com site. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you want a little laugh, go to crappy taxidermy.com. What are we getting all these hits for? And (laughs) because we have such a massive listener base. Well, we have a a listener base at least. We love you all. We do, but we don't have like a million people who are going to go overwhelm crappy taxidermy.com. No. (laughs) <laughs> but it is funny. Then we go to the hurdy-gurdies, which I keep calling in my head the hurdy-gurdies. Yeah, and, and Kath her- says that Kate went by their house at 9 o'clock the night well, that she, Ben died. She was going to see her friend Dave Tilly slash Dave. <laughs> How did that even begin? No, okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. D- Troy makes her tea. Yes. He's so nice. He can be very good. He's very good, man. She's so sad. Her son's in prison. Her yep. husband is dead. And she probably is going to have to move because I would they think live so. in that cottage on the Fitzroy estate because her husband was the gamekeeper. And now he's dead. She's probably homeless soon. Yep. And well, knowing Fitzroy, it's not like he's going to let her hang out for very long before he kicks her out. Well, he's I, a jerk. I have to think that Billy getting out of prison and her probably have a good case against the Fitzroy estate. That's true. They'll probably be able to stay as long as they want. <laughs> and the trainer estate, too. Yeah. We go to Graham's house again. Henry's sleeping. Sarah shows up and talks about the final list 
of guests for the Founders Night. Yeah, she drops off a handwritten list that James has asked her to drop off. And you just did what I've been doing, which is confusing Henry and Harry. Harry is the baby and yes. Henry is the taxidermist. Yes. And Sorry. it's really weird if you get them mixed up in your brain. <laughs> Especially with the little fox eyes. Kate's away. She came from the real world. Yeah, she's not one of them. Yeah. And it's not Sarah that shows up. It's Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. It's pretty clear, though, that Graham is worried about his marriage, right? Because Kate is kind of drifting away. She's going out at night. She's got friends to visit. She goes to Costin to go shopping but doesn't find anything that she wants. She's yeah. clearly making excuses to be out of the house. And they have Charlotte, the nanny. Who? is sort of Irish. She has a brogue in one line and then never again. No, but she's a good nanny. Yep. She's there all the time. And it's clear that Kate would rather have the nanny watching Harry than have Marcia. Marcia Shaw. Watching Marcia. Her name is Marcia. The only thing I agree with Fitzroy about. Yeah. Because he calls her Marcia too. Then we get... I wonder if in, in flagrante... That he had trouble what to call her. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Barnaby's practicing lines from the importance of being earnest with Cully and delivering them super flat. Super, super flat. Probably because he's worried about the beef bourguignon. Let's get dinner over with. Yeah. Food is not something you get over with. If it's if it's Joyce's cooking, maybe it is. It's just something you have to live through. And Troy calls and says he has to come down the morgue. He saves the day. <laughs> Joyce once again is pissed. She goes in the kitchen and like breaks something. She's so angry. She's got an attitude problem now. Hey, okay, I'm a producer on this show, or a director, or a showrunner. Mm-hmm. One of those jobs. You know, I haven't been happy with Toby's hair. It's gone through some major changes. What can we do with Toby and his hair? Muffin hat. Muffin hat. Yeah. This is the most dramatic morgue you see in several seasons of Midsummer too. It's like glass brick wall, dramatic lighting. He's got his muffin hat on. It's like... He's also in rubbers. Yeah. He's in wellies. Yeah. It's like kind of a law and order sort of morgue. Yep. It's serious. They figure out that, first of all, Ben was murdered yeah because of a schoolboy howler (laughs) so now a schoolboy howler is so a howler is a mistake yeah and a schoolboy howler is a huge stupid mistake because it's the left hand right hand which hand is the gun in yeah never mind that he committed suicide by shooting himself in the chest or in the gut whatever how do you even reach the it's hard enough to commit suicide with a rifle yep because you can't reach the trigger, it's very difficult. But to put it like against your body and reach it, I, I think would be pretty, pretty darn difficult. Toby is concerned about Ron Pringle. Because <laughs> he's boobed. He's boobed. <laughs> he is a boob. And we haven't even seen the boobs and yet. Barnaby has a little speech here <laughs> about the killer and that the killer's free. But he kind of likes it, you know. Because Ron Pringle didn't solve the case. Well, yeah. He's he's not real uh, covert about hiding the thrill of the fact that Ron was wrong. <laughs> he's got a little schoolboy glee going on. <laughs> okay, Sarah. You're a mid 
detective. Yes. And there's been a murder that looks like a suicide. So obviously, like intended murder, right? Yes. Not accidental murder. Right. What are you going to do with the forest? To find the clues? Yes. Oh, I'm going to bring in the blind cop squad. The blind cop squad. <laughs> <laughs> and and what are they going to bring with them? They're sticks. They're sticks and... sticks and a dog. And dogs. They've got dogs this time. Pokey sticks and dogs. This is not a joke. We will find everything. This is not a joke about blind people. It's a joke about the fact that they, to produce what is perceived as police procedure and being very thorough, they bring in this random group of people, put them in uniforms, line them up like a foot away from each other so they're all still in scene and give them sticks to look really diligent. Now, I'm going to say this, and I know that the people who run the official Facebook group listen to this podcast. If we can be one of those dudes in an episode, <laughs> I will pay for us to go to England. You want to poke around with a stick? I would, I would be in heaven. Poking. And poking around with a stick is a legitimate search procedure. It I'm not saying that is. it's not. But when you do it, you don't stand six inches away from one another. No. You stand the length of the stick from one another and you sweep it side to oh, side. Oh, oh. Right? Yep. So you've got like a three foot, four foot stick and that's your zone. But they find stuff. Later on, they, they do. find stuff. Ron Pringle has a horse now. Oh my God. He looks like a total tool. And Dave has the world's most unfortunate license plate. It says KKK on it, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. <laughs> My my notes when I saw Pringle on his horse was WTF chin strap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Barnaby shows up and we find out that Pringle hates Barnaby as much as Barnaby hates Pringle. I can't get down. I'm mounted. Well, you're mounted all right. <laughs> it sure sounds funny. Whoever sold you that helmet has mounted you. It's okay. Troy will look after the horse. Yeah. <laughs> the, ho the horse will look after Troy. If you look out the window, it's like the horse is continually trying to eat Troy's hair or but something. But Betty is so nice. She offers to bring Troy something to drink. Because she's human. She's a human. Nice. And Pringle gets pissed. Well, yeah, he doesn't want to be wrong. I have and no idea who the tramp was. Don't go pestering the hunt. Yeah. And so at this point, it's as if he's retired now. So he doesn't want to be dealt with anymore. Except... He's going to put his nose in all the time, and he doesn't want to be wrong, so he can't be corrected on anything he did before he retired. So don't ask me for help, except I'm going to pester you. But his downfall is his tiny bladder. Yeah. No. Because, you know, he pees at parties. He's a party peer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad he's not a party pooper. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Barnaby and Troy are off to see the taxidermist. Who is very precise about very the time precise. of his corpses. Especially about the lollipop of the taxidermy tray. <laughs> yeah, okay. But the idea of licking a taxidermy uh, fox uh, had better uh, gross uh, you out. <laughs> like, what does that even mean, the, the lollipop of taxidermy? I think what he's trying to say is everybody who, who wants taxidermy wants a fox. You know, yeah. but that's not what a lollipop stands for. Yeah. You know, like they're van they're the vanilla ice cream of the taxidermy world. Maybe. Or nuts and bolts or something like that. Yeah. The paper clips. Yeah. They're the, you know, the first item in the collection. They're like the, the starter, like the training wheels for taxidermy. 
And I actually, when I saw this scene, lollipop. When I saw this scene, I actually wondered if they kept the fox and use it later on with the fox tramp episode, where it's clearly a stuffed fox with a PA in the background going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and is the fox that he's popping the eyes into? There's some nice folio there, you know, kind of like they pop in. Is that the same fox that's then at the raffle at the founders' dinner? Oh. I don't know. Maybe they've just got the one fox and they just keep using it over and over again. But he's got an interesting theory. First of all, he says, I should have inherited everything. Yeah, because this is where we find out that Simon Tranter, Graham's father and Marcia's husband, didn't really die so much as disappear, right? And then was declared dead. And his grandfather, his father, sorry, was the one who died without the will. Yeah, Right, So there's all this machinations, but in Henry's eyes, he should be inheriting. Right. And, you know, he, and he's he not comes wrong. across as a great character because of that, because he looks like one of those people who are always like, well, I, you know, through this amazing set of coincidences, I should have inherited all that money. Well, no, dude, like clearly you shouldn't have. But it's true here. And he implies that Graham is not Marcia's. Yeah. Or that he is Marcia's, but, but he wasn't Simon's. It's not Simon's. I think Henry knows an awful lot and is in some senses kind of satisfied with his little situation. He's got the little cottage. He can do what he does. He makes money with the taxidermy. He He's can bring of, all his lady friends over. Well, you know, he doesn't have enough money to attract the kind of ladies that he wants. He's a ladies' man. But he is a ladies' man. Yes. Don't think because he has a bag that he's not a ladies' man. Yes. Because that bag is full of corpses. Yes. And that's manly. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> then we have this weird little scene where Fitzroy leaves the house to go to London, I'm assuming, or somewhere. And Sarah has a drink, and it's weird because we're so sympathetic to her later. It's It doesn't feel right that she takes a drink there. Well, he sort of storms out, and... She immediately turns to the drinks and starts pouring. So it's like she's drinking because of him. Yeah. And it's clear that it probably isn't the first time that's happened and that maybe she does it quite often. I guess. Linda flags down Fitzroy, gives him his stuff. His 50 pounds worth of needlework. And then then he says, give it to Sarah Fitzroy. Yeah. Which is weird because, like, why would you say her last name like that? He says, give it to Sarah. No, I think he says Sarah Fitzroy. In that scene, Linda has the most amazing yellow boots. Yes. They look like yellow Doc Martens. They do. She's got she's got some style. She, it's kind of a Stevie Nicks sort of layered style. Stevie but Nicks those boots with are fun. Elderly hippie thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I at this point I kind of suspected that the needlework really wasn't needlework, that she was uh, getting money from him in return for something else, like maybe some blackmail or something, something or other. But then he says, give it to Sarah, so there really must be some some needlework that she's actually doing. I guess. Another shot of the white pokey sticks in the dog, and we're off to Graham Tranter's house to tell him that the tramp was killed, Tramp that Ben Gertie was murdered. Mm-hmm. Graham was supposed to get rid of that tramp. Marsha told him to. But he wasn't really creating a problem. And he had that nice hut built. I mean, who would tell him he had to go when he's got that nice hut? Yes. (laughs) 
And this is and also. I can't this... say that Linda should go away because she's been there for 30 years. Yeah. And this is also the scene where he has to give Kate that most awkward alibi that Tom obviously doesn't believe, but I isn't going to confirm. I went to a confirm. science fiction film. I went to a movie. Um, it was. Um, Oh, it was, it was sci-fi. Um, the Silver Planet. Oh, that's it. That's what it was. Yeah, the it was only Silver like... Silver Planet. It was only like two days ago, but I've already forgotten the name of the movie. Yeah. Tom's like, whatever, liar. But they had a picture of Simon in Antwerp. Yeah, why did he go to Antwerp? Well, they what they were doing was trying to imply that he had taken off. Right. It's not actually Simon. It's the actor. It's Michael Darrow. Yeah. Yeah. But they both had 70s porn stashes. So, you know, they were even, basically twins. Even the lady had 70s porn stash. <laughs> <laughs> they, they leave. This has got to be Troy's shining moment in this episode. They're in the car. They're leaving the Tranters. Yep. They've just, in, they've just confronted Marcia in her lair. And Troy is so ugh, put off by her. He's like, name a woman you wouldn't, a woman you wouldn't go to bed with for a million pounds. And then he spends the rest of the episode ogling her boobs. <laughs> well, he doesn't know they're her boobs no, yet. No, he doesn't know they're her boobs. But that's, uh, it's also when he says, in, for, in flagrante, what? Yeah, because <laughs> Trish, but, uh, Marcia throws Kate under the bus. Yeah. She's... Walk with me and pretend you're looking at the garden. Yeah, and Barnaby's okay. like, yeah, whatever. And then she reels out this crazy theory about Kate sleeping yeah. with somebody in this really convoluted plot. Yeah, it, said, it's just what? weird. What? Okay. It was just strange. And then we get to go to the mobile incident room, which we don't get very often. There's few episodes where they roll out the mobile incident room. Yes. The, the police trailer. Yes. And they have the results of the pokey stick search. Bottle tops. And? Bottle caps. And? Bottle lids. And naked pictures. And naked pictures. Well, one. The headless woman. She's got boobs and a scarf. That's what she's got. But, but later... But, but, uh, but Barnaby wants copies. Yeah. <laughs> and Troy's copies. like, oh, we're going to put them in the glove compartment with the candy bars? <laughs> so we've got a mobile incident room at this point for the, I guess, for the search. Because later they go into the village hall and they are all set up in the village hall. It's like they forgot they had a mobile incident room. It's a number of it's it it's mobile, so it moved. No, it it, it transformed into a village <laughs> hall. <laughs> it's a trailer. No, it's a transformer. Now so it's a village hall. There's been two murders in midsummer. There's been a hunt, a faked suicide, and mm. lots of ill will and mm. false accusations. It's midsummer, so what do you do? You have a big party. Yeah, of course. Let's get everybody together. Billy's friends creeping around the house. Dave. <laughs> and I, I, I think it's perfectly fitting that Ron, who wants to impress everybody, suddenly has to pee so badly that he has to end up out in the yard. He's got the wee tiny bladder. <laughs> the wee tiny old man bladder. <laughs> But he's so classy, and then he, he pees in the garden. But he he does a great job of looking like a person who needs to pee. He does look rather desperate. His eyes are kind of yellow. <laughs> Kate's drinking. She takes off. Graham follows her. Yeah. and Because he's suspicious. Yep. And he sees her in the summer house with Dave. We don't know at that so point. So what we... order does it go in? No, like, I think... So Kate goes out. We almost need a diorama here. <laughs> because we we have 
Dave, Pringle, and Graham wandering around. So, I would assume that Kate goes to the little summer house right away. So Dave's creeping around. He goes to the summer house. Kate leaves, goes out to the summer house. Graham shadows her out. Yep. Lurks in the bushes long enough to see her go in the summer house and then stands outside and sees what's going on. Meanwhile, Ron is peeing in a bush. And when he's done, he sees Graham walk away from the summer house. So he goes over there and looks in. And then he sees in flagrante what? Yes, but we're not shown what it is. No. Also in there, I don't know if you noticed, but meanwhile, Henry Carstairs just goes through, walks through it at some point. Yeah, because <laughs> he's just always around. <laughs> just looking for dead things. <laughs> Maybe somebody died at the party and I can put them in my bag. Yeah. Maybe he was delivering the fox. I guess for so. the drawing, Maybe. no, because it's a it's an old fox. It's an it's old an, like fox. an antique taxidermied fox. So we had a party. So let's have another hunt because it's been two days. Yeah, you know, Pringle is all smiles, which is weird. And then he sees Dave, and he's like, "Shame on you, fornicator!" Yeah, he gives him a scowl. Because now he's in, right? He's got the horse. He's got the non lame helmet that doesn't make him look like a tool, and. His horse has got the little braids on. It's a hunter. That's why it's a big horse, by the way. Yes. Um, and he's now, not big. He's a hunter. He's he's one Those of the are cool not kids. Different now. things. No, he's one of the cool kids now. He's he's you know he's in. Yeah. He's gentry now. And at the same time, Barnaby and Troy are going to see Linda again, mm-hmm. who's all evasive. But that's really not the whole point. No, she's listening to Puccini and looking at her photograph and reminiscing. It could be her in the nude, says George. It says uh, Troy. Troy. And then Pringle's horse goes berserk. Glides over a wall and kills him. Yeah. I had forgotten that Pringle died. Oh, I was suddenly. Like, Whoa. Just boom, he's dead. I was like, okay, I feel a little sad for him now. And, and this, this scene gives you a really good view of how good a horse actor and a trainer can be because really it must be challenging to train a horse to look berserk but not be berserk because the guy who's riding that horse we're just far enough away that we can't see that it's not ron it's not ron it's not ron but the horse looks like it's going nutsy yeah and then the horse lies there on top of him yeah really well yeah maybe the horse is the corpse of the episode but the horse isn't dead not yet yeah, they got to kill it, I think. They got to put it down because I think its legs are broken. I think its legs are broken. Yeah. But we find out later it didn't go berserk all by itself. The 24-hour vet it. calls Barnaby at yeah. like 1230 at yeah. night. <laughs> that horse was shot with a dart that made it go crazy and then tranquilized it. Yeah, I, I don't like that, that explanation because we never see the black gloves shooting the dart. Pew. Pew, pew, pew. Right. Well, and why didn't they find like the little feather dart in the horse's ass? I guess I don't know. So we know now that Graham must have been out there skulking like the Terminator among the trees. No, he's on horseback too. I checked. So, so he's got a blow dart gun or a tranquilizer gun in he his just coat. Pulls it out and shoots pew, pew. Ron's horses in because the... a gun is really unnoticeable in England. He must be a good shot too to shoot a moving horse. It's got to be. So you must have let Ron pull ahead of him in the hunt. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I thought maybe they'd walk together or something and then he'd they'd ride slap off his rump yeah. or something. But no, no, no. 
Are you talking about slapping Ron's rum? No, the horse's rum, not it's Ron's. It's not a horse, rum. it's a hunter. <laughs> but now I have this image of Graham smacking Ron's, his rump. It's like, well, it's just what the gentry do. You know, it's okay. Yep. He's smacked my ass, but that's all right. That's what they do. <laughs> and when they go and talk to Betty, she's upset, justifiably so. Her husband is dead. But then she turns into Midsummer Lady. But wait a minute. Before we get to that reaction, she says what he was like after the party. And she says it's clear that something happened at the party that upset him, right? Because he saw Kate and David in the summer house. But what I mean is that this is another one of those, well, nothing was suspicious, but the break-in. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except, you know, Ron said he saw something horrible that he couldn't talk about, and he was very, very upset, and he, he didn't realize... He wept in the corner for sleep. an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and... and but he wouldn't tell me. And I just, I, that bothers me. Yeah. I don't think that that's realistic. Now, granted, Betty is kind of a quiet person. I don't think she's one of those people who would like confront him and say, no, you tell me what no, is wrong. She's not going to confront him. But if we went to a party and came home and you were clearly upset about something that happened <laughs> at the party and you wouldn't tell me what it is, I don't think I would let it go. Yeah. No. I think I would be, okay, you need to tell me what is wrong. I saw something nasty in the woodshed. Yeah. <laughs> a little cold comfort farm reference there. Good job. Absolutely. <laughs> There's a movie if you haven't seen, you ought to see it. It's got Rufus Sewell in it. He's all hunky. Well, that, that movie is fantastic. It has great people in yeah. it, including Ian McKellen, um, not Ian McShane. Right. <laughs> it's got everybody in it. And, and what's her name who's in the werewolf vampire movies? What's her name? Yes, I don't know. <laughs> Cold Comfort Farm, though. Yeah. Good Watch film. Cold Comfort Farm. You should see it. Yeah. It's good. If you like Midsummer, you'll like it. I'm going to get a Ford van. <laughs> I saw something nasty in the woodshed. So we know that Ron Pringle's horse was doped. And then Linda goes on some loopity doo trip. Yeah, so... It's like she's suddenly senile. Yeah. Barnaby's casing the scene. He finds the condom wrapper, but all that No, no, time, no. It's not a condom wrapper. It's the corner of a contraceptive packet. That's what he says. condom is contraceptive. He says it's a contraceptive packet. I guess. Who would say that? Who doesn't say it, there was a condom wrapper in there? I, I guess... Tom Barnum. <laughs> it just opens it up to other possibilities. It might not have been a condom. It might have been a different contraceptive. And then there's a throwaway line here that's a really funny joke because Troy's like, maybe Pringle saw them at it and they're going to kill him. Like they killed Ben who caught them at it mm -hmm. and the tramp who caught them at it, which is the whole plot of the first episode of of midsummer. Yeah. So Troy has some grounding here. Yeah. And Tom goes, they would have to be the world's unluckiest couple. <laughs> so then I had this image of my in the head image in my head of the Troy of the tramp sticking his head up as they were like doing it. Oh sorry, sorry, sorry. And Ben, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Pringle, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Most watched doing a couple ever. <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to do your rumpy pumpy in the summer house at the big party, it, you might get caught. Oh, that summer house is like 10 feet away from the back door. And uh, I, Go out to the folly. I know <laughs> that beauty comes in many forms, but when Kate is kissing him in the reenactment, it's, it's just gross. It's very much like, let's just smash our face together. And, ah, and it will be convincing ah, that we're making out. 
Hey, that's better than thinking about Marsha and Fitzroy. I guess so. Okay. Where but are we? then they're in the village hall instead of the mobile incident room, and Tom gets a fax from Holland. <laughs> 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 a facsimile. Yes. This fax just came in from, from Holland. Holland. It's like from a whole country. Here you go. The tramp is Simon. Well, not, not from the really, Antwerp police. It's from the state of Holland. Yes. From the country of Holland. And, it, and so Marsha has to go and identify the tramp. Because they're like, hey, this is, we think this is your husband. Yep. And she looks at him and she sits down. Like, she's kind of overwhelmed, and she says, well, are you sure? And Tom says, well, how tall was Simon? And she says, 5'11". He goes, well, that guy's 5'10". Match. <laughs> it's a match. <laughs> I'm 5'10". Am I the tramp? You're the tramp. Are you Am Simon? Am I Simon? Wait a minute. Are you Michael? Am I Michael, Simon, or the tramp? You don't have, you don't have a porn stash. You're neither. Or a hutch. Yeah. <laughs> you need a tramp hutch. <laughs> but it's as if... The height is all the evidence they need. Well, they're pretty close, so there that's probably is. him. So it's Simon. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's going, oh, I don't know. Do they think it's Simon? Do they think it's Michael? If I pretend it's Simon, is what that a better a idea? What a DNA test? I don't know. I've slept with so many people. I don't know whose child it is. <laughs> Meanwhile, James is like, I thought I was the dad. Yes. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> they're rehearsing the importance of being earnest in the Costin Playhouse. Yes. With Cully. The corn exchange. And and Sarah is in the back. Just laughing. And she just loses it. But like, I think that's supposed to be the abused spouse sort of overreaction and not dealing well with social situations. Because she starts to cry immediately. But she laughs, too. then she cries. And then Cully, who's like Tom's little spy. Yeah. Accidental spy, accidental informant her. in all these episodes just so happens to talk to Sarah in the dressing room who reveals, you know, I'm not one of them. I didn't fit in. Da, da, da. She's, and she's so like, miserable. I'm frightened to go home. And then Barnaby goes, do you think she was frightened to go home? And Cully's like, hmm. She gave me that impression. She's unsure. She said the words. <laughs> yeah. She actually said, I am afraid to go home. The taxidermist opens the door and there's Marsha. With 50K. 50K, baby. He's blackmailing Marsha. He can get lots of ladies with 50K. Or doll's eyes. Dolls. Minks. Our business is complete. <laughs> Fitzroy's it's, off to And work. I'm kind of like cheering for Henry at this point. Yes. Like, hey, if you're squeezing those losers for money, go for it, go dude. Because they are despicable. And you're living in a little, you know, cottage. Though they missed get an opportunity here, right? Because Marcia knows that Henry is the rightful heir. Mm-hmm. And he is blackmailing her. Mm-hmm. That is m- midsummer murder train to murder town right there. She or he is going to die. Yes. One or the other. So the fact that Henry Carstairs not only comes out of this alive, but with all the loot. He's winner, winner, chicken dinner. And 50K. Yeah, of the whole episode. Of the money that he... That is his anyway. It's his anyway. Yeah. And then Barnaby and Troy do their big um, covert driving and as they mm-hmm. follow Fitzroy to the Larches. Yes. The retirement home. Does it larch is, to one side or larch to the other? Which is all the way the in other. London, right? All the way in London. They follow him all the way to London. On country roads, I guess. Yeah. No one drives on a highway in this show. It's too far. <sighs> 
<laughs> Everything's too far. Your entire country can be driven in eight hours. Yeah. Nothing is too far. I, I just have this image that people in their manor houses, because you all must have manor houses in England, are sitting there in your manor houses, and you're like, I need some uh, semi-skim milk for the hunt tomorrow. And you're like, oh, it's 15 minutes into town to the post office. No, it's, it's too, too far. far. <laughs> it's just too far. Send the help. We'll have to take a picnic. And make a day of it. A train ride. <laughs> and so, I know we live in a continent that is just basically open space. I understand that. But eight it's hours. It's not to, that far. It's not. You can be in France in a few hours. We, we cannot drive across the state in eight hours. No. They, they see Fitzroy go into the retirement home. And Tom is like, okay, stake it out. And when he leaves, go in there, find out what he's doing. And Troy's like, where are you going? He's like, I got to go see Linda. I got to go. Because he's realized that the scarf in the boob picture was hanging in so the So now we think Linda in the train. is in the boob picture. Right. We think that that Linda is the boobs, right? Yep. And Troy's like, wait a minute. How am I going to get home? And he says, hitch a lift from London to Coston. He's supposed to hitchhike or something. How does Troy get home? <laughs> I, I'm guessing he calls the Metropolitan Police and asks somebody to give him a ride. I'm sure. Oh, you're a country copper. Come get me a Like, yeah. Maybe he takes an Uber. Never mind the fact that he's probably standing outside for two hours. Wouldn't somebody call the cops and be like... Yeah, because he's like standing in the bush. I'm hiding. I'm hiding. And then, uh, so when he goes in, we meet Fred Rodale. Yes. Who is senile. (laughs) He was the former gamekeeper for the Fitzroy estate. The day the hounds went mad, they found something. So I had to shoot them. I never said... I never said. Who are you? Wouldn't somebody notice if all the es- hounds being killed? Yeah, if an estate like that suddenly had no hounds. Well, and we had to put them all down. They got distemper. All of them. Wouldn't they notice that Simon was dead? Like, like. <sighs> no, because he's run off. He's run off with his porn stash to Antwerp. Yeah, to meet with a lady. A lady. <sighs> okay. Now Linda is still in her crazy phase. Yes. So she's at the Costum Playhouse knocking on doors and asking for Michael Darrow, who doesn't exist anymore. And this is the night that Kate says, really, this is the beginning of Graham's very bad day. Oh, Graham has such a bad day. (laughs) (laughs) Because Graham's supposed to be away, so Kate takes Henry. Yeah. Harry. 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 This is Graham's no good, awful bad day. Yes. Graham's no good, awful bad day. Kate is going to take Harry out. She says to Charlotte, like, hey, come with mommy. And she's like, where are you going? I don't know. We're just going. We're going to go pack. We find out that Linda is all upset because the love of her life, Michael Darrow, was in The Importance of Being Earnest, Mm -hmm. which is why his picture looks oldie timey. Yeah. And Barnaby puts it all together. That the man in Antwerp is not Simon. Right. But it's Michael Darrow. Because he sees the pictures of them in the cast, because they were both in the play. Yes. And he sees the mustache. Dun, dun, dun. And the fact that the dog bones and the collarbones are found by the pointy stick brigade. Yep. Um, Now we know there was a human body and not just dogs up there. And we put it all together. Kate is leaving Graham, at which point he says, why... Are you basically what kind of life will you have with Dave Hedges? To which I went, who? 
Maybe his license plate, instead of saying KKK, which I'm sure was purely accidental and not on purpose, should have said, my name is Dave Hedges. Because only would have known. one place does the woman in the shop, who's in love with Dave. Sandra. As soon as she sees Dave, she brightens up. Right. But she just calls him Dave. But, but she goes, Dave. Like, it's the quickest Dave ever. Like, there's no reason. Like, <laughs> Dave. It's not weird that I missed it. No. No. And she's leaving. And now Graham's very bad day begins because she's left. Kate's left and come back without Harry. So she's left Harry somewhere and, and she's packing. And Graham threatens to kill her. Well, he goes through the whole like downslide, right? He yeah. starts with, you can stay with Dave as long as you stay with me. I don't care if you sleep with him as long yep. as you don't leave me. Yep. She's like kind of loony are you that's no you know that's not how we're gonna do this and meanwhile sarah wants a divorce from james yeah <laughs> and you know graham is is like but i just want harry back i want you and i want harry and and at this point you don't know just how screwed up graham is and how screwed up his life has been oh you're gonna find out and really you sort quickly. of think wow kate's being kind of a jerk like yeah she can leave him and he and he seems kind of desperate and sad. He's so pathetic. And he threatens, she and threatens then, to use Harry as collateral. Right. And then he says, I'm just going to kill you. You can't leave. I'm going to kill you. Whoa! That escalated quickly. He's off the cliff. He is. It, it's bad very day. bad day land. It's officially bad, bad day now. <laughs> and Marsha's not even there to make it worse. So <laughs> in a age old tradition of ditching your husband... Kate uses the au pair to block him and get around him. It's it's a fantastic move. Well, you know, when you think your spouse is about to kill you, having a witness can sort of diffuse the situation. Exactly. He's not going to kill her in front of Charlotte. And I have to say that Kate gets the smart person award here. Because as soon as she leaves the house, she calls Barnaby and says, Graham threatened to kill me. Yes. <laughs> Which we is... Don't- the right thing to do. We don't see her do it, but he says she does. And that's when the light kind of comes on and you go, oh, maybe Kate is the same person in this situation and yes. not a jerk, not a money grubber, not a slut like Marsha calls her. But maybe she's the same person getting out for a very good reason. But Marsha's going to make it all better. Yeah. And she called James to come over. <laughs> and Sarah's like, I think we need a divorce. And he's like, Oh, Balderdash, talk to me when I get home. I have to go see this other lady. Bye. Whatever, I won't be here. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Graham's Marsha's like, she's a slut. (laughs) Slut. And he's crying in his mommy's lap. He's like, I just want my wife back and my son back. She's a slut. At least he knows that Henry is his son. Well, and then he goes, Graham, Graham says he saw the pictures. Yeah. No, mommy, you're a slut. Yeah. Can you imagine? Okay. No, I can't imagine. I don't want to imagine. So when did he see them? When uh, the tramp threatened to blackmail him. Ah, okay. So the tramp threatens to blackmail Graham. And that's where you see more booby pictures. And then puts the booby pictures in the trunk to keep them safe. Yes. Then Henry finds, finds all them. but one of them. And blackmails. And blackmails Marsha. And then the pokey stick cops find the last one that must have like slipped why, down into the trunk. I don't know why Henry Carstairs looked at those pictures and go, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> well, I think there, her face was in some of them. Yes, the other ones. That's right. right. Her face was in some with Michael Darrow. Yeah. So James shows up and he's like, wait a minute. I thought I was your father. 
And he's yeah. like, I thought Simon James was my dad. James is completely nope, delusional. My, yeah, like how much has he been helping them out over the years, thinking that Graham was his son? And, and Graham is so upset, he's going to go get sick. And by sick, he, he means kill. put a gun in his mouth and kill himself. Like they, they say that, um, that Ron boobed. But man, Fitzroy has boobed big time. Oh my gosh. Fitzroy How believed many? Graham was his son, killed Simon. Which he just admits to. Yeah. Oh, I killed Simon. Because she made me. She made me do She it. told me I had to. Yep. <laughs> and then like, keep your mouth shut, you moron. <laughs> there's this really neat way in which this is Barnaby giving explanation and Graham giving explanation, they sort of fill in each other's holes mm-hmm. here. And it's interesting the way it's cut. I like the way it was cut. Yeah, I think it's a good kind of exposition of the story to kind of clarify the things that we haven't figured out yet while building the tension. Because once Graham is in the study with the gun and Marsha goes in to stop him and we know that there's a gunshot, we don't know which of them's dead. Yeah, one little thing right before that, it's mentioned very quickly that Simon was sterile. Marsha's pregnant, and Simon's like, What? What? Really? And so that's why they had to kill him. But, like, how did they find that out? I... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a, just a whole weird situation there. Marsha marries Simon. Simon is the one with the estate. Yep. He's sterile. Yep. She's sleeping with not only Michael Darrow, but also James Fitzroy. She gets around. Slot. And then, <laughs> and then somehow gets pregnant. Oops. How crazy is that? Like, and then Simon disappears. Okay, if your husband is sterile. If James Fitzroy knows Simon is sterile, wouldn't other people know he was sterile? Exactly. If your husband is sterile. Unless James is like And you're sleeping tests. around, wear some protection. <laughs> yeah, and don't take pictures. No. That's a bad idea. Look at my boobies. Even Kate knows. No pictures, please. No pictures. <laughs> Because then Graham gives this whole like, oh, so this happened and I had to kill that person. And this other thing happened and I had to kill that person. And this thing happened and I had to go and kill that person. Thank you for explaining everything to us, Graham. Thank you. It's wonderful. So So he goes into the study. So is Marsha dead? He's going to kill himself. And Marsha convinces him not to kill himself. So he kills her instead. Yeah, she's dead. She's got an eye open. And, And you think he shot her and not just they were wrestling over the gun and she got shot. No, I think he shot her. Well, I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. I mean, he's been a pawn his entire life. Very bad day. <laughs> yeah. So then this interesting... The one... No, his, his life is so worse than that. The one photo he thinks he have, has of his father. Yes. The only thing he has is a picture of his father with another woman in another city after he's abandoned his after pregnant mother. After he's been mother. told all his life that his father was awful. And now he realizes the photo he's been looking at his whole life that he thought was his dad is the man his mom was sleeping with. And is actually his dad, but not his dad. But not his dad. Meanwhile, James Fitzroy's in the background going, I killed Simon. She made me do it. I did that. <laughs> so a shot rings out, but Fitzroy is, is doing the slow, fast walk to yeah. leave. <laughs> He's like, probably shouldn't have said that. I think Sarah needs me at home. <laughs> and Barnaby's like, get back in there. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. And meanwhile, Graham just takes off. Oh, yeah. So now we have a car chase. Because he knows that Kate has gone to David's. Yeah. And that Harry's there too. Yes. And he's got a gun. Mm-hmm. And he's going to kill them. Mm-hmm. This Graham has fallen completely apart here. His hair is a mess. And that's 
That's a pretty tense situation because he's willing to kill her and their son. Yeah, that's where he crosses that line. And Dave isn't just a greaser because he is willing to stand between them. He does a heroic thing here. Yeah, in the rain. Yeah. With bad hair. He does. Barnaby shows up and Graham freaks out. He points the gun at Barnaby and then he points the gun back at them and he just drops it and runs away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's hard to shoot a shotgun while running, so he just drops it. He's just having a bad day. And then hangs himself outside of Linda's trailer. Where does he get the rope? From Linda's trailer. Linda's <laughs> caboose. I, I guess. From the tack room. I didn't, I didn't like that. Maybe it was already there. Yeah, I didn't like it. It, it. it felt rushed. I don't think that's rushed. I don't think it's hard at all to find a piece of rope on an estate like that. If anybody would know where one is, he would. And I think he's been... On the brink. But he was ha- getting ready okay. to shoot himself, so okay. it's not like it, a big stretch. I admit all that, but did he get on a chair and tie the rope up? Or did he climb the tree? Uh, see, you're questioning it too hard. The logistics of that. <laughs> okay, have you listened to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think we can see his feet. So there might be a chair. There might be a chair. I think when we just kind of see, like, knees to branch. Meanwhile, Linda's like, oh, another dead body. She finds all the dead bodies. I know. She's like, oh, great. (laughs) And then once again, we have this this midsummer trope of now on to happy stuff. Yeah. Now Sarah's going to go on a cruise. Marsha would have thought it was vulgar. Well, she was a slut, so. (laughs) She was vulgar. But there really should be one more scene. There should be a scene of Henry with his puffer coat and his tie and his man bag standing on the roof of the estate like a drone shot, you know, just with his arms up in the air, smiling and just spinning around in slow motion. Mine! (laughs) Mine! Or 10 years later, and we go into the Tranter mansion, and it's just full of dead things everywhere. And he's like... Mine, 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 mine. I told you. And Barnaby's in the background eating steak and chips. <laughs> and not having a, a jippy tummy. So who's the best corpse? The Tramp, Ben Gurdy, Ron Pringle, or Marsha Tranter? I got to say Ben Gurdy. Why? Because he's in a weird position and he does not move. He doesn't look comfortable. He's like half on a log. <laughs> not that any corpse looks comfortable, but he looks really uncomfortable. I... That and second place close behind is the horse. The horse isn't dead. I know, but it's he's really still. <laughs> so I hurt my lower back really bad about a week ago, and I'm still wincing. And when I rewatched this episode and I saw the way Ben was laying, that his torso is like up on the log, but his lower body is on the ground, it made my back hurt just yeah, like looking. Yeah, definitely. But I got to say, I think Ron Pringle is the winner of Corpse of the Episode because he's laying face up, eyes wide open. With his neck cocked. With a horse on him. Yeah. He and does some good acting. Doesn't blink. Doesn't move. Doesn't shift. And the shift. tramp in the morgue is pretty good, too. That's a short shot. Yeah, but still, it's pretty good. But Ron is there. Full, Luckily, he's 5'10". Full daylight, <laughs> face up, facing the camera. We get this kind of crane shot zooming up yeah. from his face. Yeah. He's full on dead. It's pretty good. Yeah. It doesn't have like blood to hide under or anything like that. So So I go for Ron. There's a couple of things at this episode, at the end of this episode, that need some further, not explanation, but we need to think out what happens next. Mm -hmm. Right? The winners here are Henry Carstairs, like you mentioned, and Sarah. Mm -hmm. Henry Carstairs now goes to the trustees and goes, money, 
Mm-hmm. House. Mine. Land. Yeah. Mine. Because he knows for sure now. There's not going to be a hunt next year. No. Next week, be. in two days, or whenever mm-hmm. the next one's scheduled. Kate has her boy toy, but no money. She has her child. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's I think good. she's going to be okay with I that. I would think Henry would take care of her a little bit. Maybe. She, did, she wasn't mean to him. Sarah has all of Fitz's money. Mm-hmm. And Fitz is in jail. Yeah. that's the, He's the only one who goes to jail. Yeah, because he's the only one still alive who was involved. Yeah. Fitz goes to jail. He's not going to do well in jail. Can you imagine James Fitzroy in, a, in an orange jumpsuit? <laughs> <laughs> when do you have the hunt here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to show you a hunt. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a great return to form after the last episode. We have murder, blackmail, and sexual deviancy. And characters that are like really fun. They're yeah. really weird and crazy and believable at the same time. Great way to start season three. They're interesting. Maybe not showing it on New Year's Eve before the millennium. Ah, well, we still have it to enjoy, so it's yep. okay. One little weird fact. Just This is just a random fact. The actress who played um, Kate Trainer, her name is Sarah Winman. Yes. She's a novelist now. Oh, she is. She's got three books on Amazon. That's good. And they, they look like they sell pretty well. That's pretty cool. So she went on to be a novelist. That's nice. And uh, Dominic Marham, uh, sorry, Matham, he plays Graham. He's a pretty boy in this episode because he's yeah. so young. He's got all that yeah. hair and everything. But I kept looking at him going, where do I know him from? Where have I seen him? He's been in something else where he looks different. And then I finally remembered and I had to look it up just to confirm. But he plays Stephen Fry's brother in Kingdom. Yeah. His errant brother, who's kind of wild. Yeah. But when he gets older, he just gets such a gruffer, rougher look. He doesn't look like that pretty boy anymore. His face gets sort of long, boxy. Yeah, thinner, and he keeps his hair shorter. Yeah. But he, he's in a lot of stuff. He's uh, a very busy boy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But just a little interesting. Ten actors facts. in England, you can be busy. <laughs> and Toby's got his muffin hat. He does. It's a great muffin This hat. might be the last Toby. We'll see. Hopefully we won't get the watercolors back either. No, hopefully not. So if you disagree with our picks for best corpse of the week of the episode, let us know. Or you have any other thoughts on this particular episode or what the jokes we made about it. (laughs) uh, Remember that our Instagram is uh, at Midsummer Maniacs and our Twitter is at Midsummer Maniacs. And we are at typewriter and... At Intelligirl. On Twitter, and we're all over the Facebook groups and all those good things, and you guys have been all so fa- uh, f- fabulous. We had one listener say th- that the episode that we dropped yesterday on Monday was that it made her Monday. Oh, that's so awesome. And, and I said that that made my Monday. I'm so glad our craziness is actually entertaining to other people. Uh, in, indeed. We, we've passed all sorts of milestones this week. It's been crazy. It's so fun. It's super fun. Next episode is uh, episode two of season one, which is blue. No. Uh, season three. Episode two, season three, Blue Herrings, mm-hmm. which I love the title of. because it's, it's a good one. Because it's got blue hair and red herrings and it's all <laughs> sorts of fun. And there's a doctor who drives a fancy car. Retirement and there's home. All sorts and of retirement home is all sorts of good It's great. Stuff. It's great. And we can't wait to watch that episode and get back to you guys. And I got to say bye, Maniacs. Thanks for listening. Bye, Maniacs. Thank you. Bye.
<laughs> yeah, because then you have this idea of like a little taxidermied baby. Oh, <laughs> that's too far. Or of Henry Carstairs, like cuddling up with Marcia in a little onesie or something. <laughs> he is kind of wee. Okay, I'll cut the first joke and leave that joke. Oh. <laughs> a doll's eyes. <laughs> Dead eyes, like a doll's eyes. <laughs> Uh, so... And you want to cut my jokes, and you're talking about what James Fitzroy says during sex with Marcia? And you want to cut my jokes? You want to say my jokes are gross, talking about taxidermied babies? 